things to try to be a blessing to them. So this morning we're going to look here in the Hall of Faith, Hebrews chapter number 11. I'm going to start reading at verse number 6. I'm going to read a few verses this morning, but that's okay. It won't take me all that long. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out unto a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Anybody looking for a city? Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead. So many as the stars of the sky and multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say, say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country. That is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it is said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, according to that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith. Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. They were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest that he destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do so were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. What shall I more say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, Stop the mouths of lions, quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, wax valiant and fight and turn to flight the armies of the aliens. I want to look this morning from these passages. Everything here we see is about faith. We see mountains moved. We see walls broken down. We see marriages restored. We see sicknesses healed. We see God do amazing things here in this section of passages all about faith. I want to look this morning at the necessity of faith. God, thank you so, so much for loving us in spite of us. God, thank you for loving us the way that you do. Thank you that while we were yet sinners, God, you commended your love toward us that we might be saved, that Christ came and paid our debt and, and suffered on that cross and rose from the grave that we might have eternal life. God, this morning we come to you. We're still a needy people, God. Saved to the uttermost, blood can never be washed off. But now we want to be servants, God. 
We want to serve you. We want to be pleasing to you. We want to be everything that you want us to be, that you might change this dark world, Lord, that you might use us to make a difference in those around us, God. I ask you, will you teach us this morning? I ask you for your sweet Holy Spirit to move in this place and do what only you can do. We love you. We thank you and we praise you in the precious holy name of Jesus. Amen. So being a Christian is simply living by faith. We've not seen God. We've seen the results of God. We've seen the miracles of God. We've seen the things that God has done for us. Every day is not easy. There's trials, tribulations. We walk through storms. How many of you, every day of your life has been absolutely easy? You've never been through a trial. You've never been through turmoil. You've never been through tribulation. It's all been easy. But you never walked through it alone. But we know that by faith and faith alone. Living by faith is doing what is pleasing to God. I mean, what does God want from me? That, that should be our question every day. Father, what will you have me to do today? How will you use me today? Guide my steps today. Light my path today. Put me in front of the people I need to talk to today and give me the boldness to say the things that I need to say. Do more than just invite people to church. Tell them about Jesus Christ. There is a way. What does God think that ought to be our desire in the morning God says he doesn't think the way that we think his thoughts are higher than our thoughts his ways are higher than our ways we ought to spend time with the morning with him in the morning to find out what does he think what what does the word of God say that should be our absolute authority in every decision every decision you make in life needs to be bathed in prayer and sought in God's word I can tell you this, if the answer you think you're getting is out of line with this book, then the wrong person's speaking to you. God will never change his word, never deny his word, never give you an answer outside of his word, never give you a will outside of his already written will. So everything we need to know is right there in God's written word. There, there's only one thing that can save souls and change lives and change people, and that is the preaching of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the absolute truth of the word. There's a, there's a lot of time and money spent today trying to package the gospel to make it look attractive. There's a lot of time and money spent trying to package the gospel to try to get people to come into the doors of the church. Oh, if we could just get them to come in. So there's a lot of packaging, bright lights, things to try to, to move people in. But, but I can tell you, packaging the gospel just to get people in the door to fill some pews on Sunday and not standing firm on the truth of the gospel when they get here does them no good to get through the storms that they're going to face on Monday. It's not about the packaging. It's about the preaching of the truth. With all that's going on in today's world, people are struggling, Amen. A lot of people in society are struggling. They're looking for answers. They don't need Christians to tell them what they want to hear. What they need is Christians to tell them what they need to hear. But more than just telling them what they need to hear, they need to see us doing more than just coming to church on Sunday. They need to see Christ living in us. They need to see Christ working through us. They need to see us reaching out to help others. They need to see us in the community feeding the hungry, giving, giving hope to the hopeless and help to the helpless. They need to see Christians living the Christian life, not just talking it. God saved us. Go ahead and say amen. But when God saved us, he also called us. He calls us to a purpose. They're just saying we are the body. And if we're, all the, if we're, if we're the body, then why aren't his arms reaching? And, and why aren't his hands? That, that's us. We're the ones that's supposed to be reaching out into the community. We are the body of Christ. What, what the world needs today is truth. They've had plenty of religion. They, they've plenty, plenty of legalism has been handed down. What they need from Christians is just the absolute truth. And he's alive. We have the Pharisees and all their strict religion and all their, their claws and all their, their stance on firm. There was a time when what the Pharisees did was the laws of God. 
God gave the law of the sacrifice. God gave the law of the Sabbath. God gave the law of worship. But Jesus Christ said that he had fulfilled the law. He came here to, to do away with Old Testament law and make everything about relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ the Son. He, he came and, and, and he made a better way, but they were stuck in their old routine. I'm sorry, but there's a lot of churches are folding up, locking up, and shutting their doors today because they're buried in their legalism. There's over 10,000 churches closing every year. That was before COVID. I don't have 2020 numbers yet. Before COVID, there's more than 10,000 churches closing a year. But if you look into the case on a lot of them, it's because they, they become so buried in their legalism. In Old Testament, the way we've always done it, the strictness of the way it's got to be, that they've forgotten it's about the souls of people that are dying and going to hell. It's about preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about loving people. I don't care how they look, how they act, what they wear. Not just what they wear out there, but even what they wear in here. It's not about clothes. Jesus taught the Pharisees. He tried to teach them. You men do appear beautiful on the outside. You appear righteous and holy on the outside, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. To these you appear holy. You come out and you put on nice clothes and you dress up and you look holy. But on the inside, he said, you're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. It's not about this. It's about what's in here. If we're going to reach the world, we got to live what's in here. The, the Pharisees, they, they went on with their same old Sabbath day religious ceremonies. They just continued on with their same old mundane, powerless services. They, they went on with their same old legalistic rituals. Religion changes no one. Religion saves no one. Religion helps no one. Jesus Christ helps whosoever will. Let him come. It has to be about the gospel. Living by faith is living the Word of God in every area of our lives. God, God has set some boundaries. Some people ain't going to like this. Don't y'all turn me off. It'll get better. That's why some of them like watching at home. You can turn me off when you want to. You don't go get your coffee warmed up right now. Don't go to the microwave. Just stay here. I'll be done with this in a minute. God gives us boundaries Boundaries are for a reason. There are things as children of God that we're not supposed to do, places we're not supposed to go. The Word of God gives us boundaries. It gives us boundaries in life. It gives us boundaries in marriage. It gives us boundaries. If y'all ain't turned me off yet, you will now. It gives us boundaries in finances. It even tells us what we're supposed to do with our money and how we're supposed to support the church and how we're supposed to, to help others. Man, I was going to do something on Wednesday night while I'm on it. I want to do it right now because I didn't get to it Wednesday night. Y'all mind if I just take a time out for a minute? It just come to my mind, so this is a good time. Those of you on Wednesday night, we'll talk about it again Wednesday night. How about that? There was a farmer. He was very rich, very wealthy, helped everybody in the community. And somebody asked him one day, how is it that you have so much? How is it that your fields make so much? How is it that your crops provide so much every year? He said, well, the only way I can figure it is, is every time I give a scoop to help somebody in the community, God gives me a scoop. He, he said, I take a scoop out to help this one, and God gives me a scoop. And so I take two scoops out to help these, and God gives me two scoops. So I take three scoops out to help these, and God gives me three scoops. The difference is my scoop's about this big, and God's scoop's about this big. So every time I take one of these little scoops out, God dumps a bigger scoop back in. That it, it even tells us about finances in the Word of God, how we are to, to help others and to do things in the church. Can, can I just, while I'm right here, let me tell you, God's blessings are found within God's boundaries. A few of you right here heard it. I hope y'all are back from getting your coffee because you need to hear that. God's blessings are found within God's boundaries. If you're walking straddle of the fence, you need not look for the blessing. If you're on the other side of the fence but holding on, matter of fact, if you're on the right side of the fence but holding on to the fence, you need not look for God's blessings. When we dive into God's will, God's purpose, God's plan, then God's blessings are found within God's boundaries. God's boundaries involve faithful living. But we can't expect to be fully committed if we don't first know the boundaries. Living in 
God's boundaries is, is a true, faithful living, like, like praying always. The Word of God tells us that men ought always to pray. True, faithful living it is reading God's Word daily. Listen, we can't know it if we don't read it. You, you can't come and listen to a preacher and assume that what I tell you is what the Word of God says. The only way you're going to know the Word of God and know that it's real is from in the beginning to amen is you read it. But, but when we read it, then, then we begin to learn it. We begin to know it. Matter of fact, if we put it in there, God can recall it. Any of you ever quoted a verse and you wonder, where in the world did that come from? If you put it in there, God can recall it. He can't recall what you've never put in there. I, I, think, I think some of you are going to be able to tell me Psalms 119, 11, maybe. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. We can't live the word if we don't know the word. We can't live the truth if we don't know the truth. Seeking God daily, it, it, we can't know it if we don't seek it. Jeremiah 29, 12, 13 then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and you shall seek me and find me when? Did I not give you all that one? Do I need to tell you all when? When you shall search for me with all of your heart. God said, I will be found of you. It's kind of like that picture. I'm not going to back up and preach that last week, but it's in there. For those of you who have not seen the picture, it's in there. I wouldn't tell you it was if it wasn't. The problem is you're still looking at the surface. You've got to look into that picture. That picture is deep within there. You can't see it by, by looking at it. You've got to look in it. You can haul it in your car, throw it on your back dash, carry it around, put it in your pocket, act holy, but looking at the surface ain't going to do us any good. You've got to look deep inside to find out what the Word of God says the will of God is. Well, help us. Faithful living is doing whatever God wants us to do in all situations. Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. James chapter 1, 22. James 1, 22. Be ye doers. That, that, that's a commandment. That, that is what the word of God tells us. We're not supposed to just come in and hear it. We're supposed to, to live the gospel. God doesn't give us boundaries to contain us. Anybody still listening? Call your neighbor, tell them, turn me back on. I'm done with that. God does not give us boundaries to contain us. God gives us boundaries to protect us. How many have ever been to the Grand Canyon? How many of you have ever been to Niagara Falls? So I had Dale pull up a few pictures for us to take a look at. You got them loaded, computer. Miss, Miss Frieda, how about run through those a minute? Let us just let us just see those for a minute. Woo! Who is that? Got that fresh off the internet. Mm mm mm. Wow, I ain't standing on that. I'll go ahead and tell you right now. You know, one of the things, y'all see one of the things that is consistent in every one of those? The boundary. You, you see the rail? In every single one of those, there is a boundary there. How many of you would want to get on the edge of one of those platforms if there wasn't a fan? How many of you would want to walk across that right there without a rail? Have I mentioned to y'all, those of you who haven't been there, how windy it usually is there? Like blow you off of that thing? How many would want to walk on that without a rail? Windy, wet? Slippery. Listen, I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm not afraid of heights. I'm really not. I, I, I like hunting. I really don't do much hunting. I mostly just take pictures, but I enjoy getting up there. But I, I spent a lot of time sitting in a tree reading the Bible, and there's been a lot of Sunday school lessons been written in a tree. My favorite stand, a buddy of mine was with me. 
It gave him a nosebleed to even look up at me. He was just tying boards on I pull him up. It's 62 foot to the platform. Well, it was 45 to the first when he called it the skyscraper. I had to, when the trees got taller, I had to build it taller. Now it's 62 foot to the platform. He calls it the satellite. But it's in the top of a big old poplar tree where it splits, and there's two boards, and I got a little piece of plywood, and I can set straddle of it like a horse. I can read my Bible. I can do whatever I want. Dear, don't look that high. So, so you can step and have a good time. I, I'm not afraid of heights, but I ain't getting up there without a rail. Listen, I'm going to tell you, I'm one of those. I get to a place like that, I don't lean on the rail. I've seen stuff break. I get to the rail, and I'm glad it's there to catch me. I have other, other people leaning on it, and I'm like, mm-hmm. You right there, you the reason I ain't leaning on it. All y'all pushing on it, trying to lean over and look down. The boundaries are there to protect us because there's danger beyond that point. See, we live in this world. We, we become so all about me and the society. Well, ain't nobody going to tell me what I can and can't do. Well, fine, hot shot. Climb your backside over that rail, fall and die. Your choice. You, you want to climb, you can control what you do, but you have no control over the consequences. The boundary was there to take care of your foolishness, but if you want to ignore that, you go right ahead. But, but see, here's the deal. What's on the other side of the boundary is beautiful. What's on the other side of the boundary is very attractive, but it is also very dangerous. That's what sin is. God doesn't put boundaries to contain us in. He puts boundaries because God can see the enemy. He knows where he's at, and he knows what he's capable of. God knows exactly what the enemy can do. But when we commit to stay within God's boundaries, God commits to bless us within those boundaries. But it takes faith to stay in the boundaries. Oswald Chambers, y'all know him? Wrote a book. What's the name of the book? My Utmost for His Highest. Y'all read the book? If you ain't read it, that's uh, a book I'd recommend. So in the book, he says... When we choose deliberately to obey him, he will tax the remotest star and the last grain of sand to assist us with all of his mighty power. Now, that's some of that old school writing, so let me put it in Hoganese 2021. When we fully surrender to his will, to his purpose, to his plan, when we fully surrender to live our lives within his boundaries, he has the power over the entire universe to meet whatever need we might have. That's pretty cool, isn't it? It starts with us. It starts with our faithfulness. It starts with us living within his boundaries. Listen, there's no halfway with God. We're either in or we're out. When it comes to salvation, God will meet you right where you are. If you've never been saved and you're running from God, running from God, running, for that matter, if you've been saved and you've gotten out of the will of God and you're backslidden, you're running from God and you know it. God's calling you back and you're running from God, you're running from God, you're running from God. All it takes is to just stop running and turn back to God and he will meet you where you are. Just like the prodigal, like the father ran and fell on his neck and hugged him and kissed him. If you'll just turn back to God, God will meet you wherever you are when it comes to salvation, when it comes to repentance. But when it comes to God's boundaries, he will not meet you in the middle. Your opinion is not important to him. God sets the boundaries to keep us protected from what the enemy has in store to tear you down, to destroy you. God puts the boundaries there to keep us in the center of his will. And if we stay within the boundaries, then we stay within his blessings. So here in our text, we find these who have fully surrendered by faith. Every one of them is by faith. By faith Noah, by faith Moses, by faith Sarah, by faith Abraham. It's all by faith. They're all in. And because they're all in by faith, God used them to accomplish great things. How many of you believe that God can do great things still in this dark world that we're in today? How many of you believe God can still save souls, change lives, heal sick, call back some prodigals, restore some broken homes? You believe that God still has the power? 
We are the body. We are the hands, the feet, the legs, the arm. It's up to you and I when we surrender to what God would have us to do. All God is looking for in us is to surrender our will for his will. God is looking for us to give him our very best. Can I tell you many times as Christians, the reason we don't attempt things is because we just don't think we're good enough. And that's probably true. Because God will usually call us into things that are outside of our comfort zone that we're not good enough to do on our own. That's why he calls us to do that, so that only he can do it through us. But many times we want to tempt it for fear of the unknown. We don't think we're good enough. Listen, God does not expect you and I to be the best. He just expects us to give him our best. Lou Holtz, coach of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, 1986-1996. He's like every other coach probably prior to the game. They give a, a pep rally kind of speech, you know, to, to pump the team up. But here's one of the things he told his team on a weekly basis. Today, you don't have to be the best team in the country. You just have to be the best team in this stadium. Do I need to say that again? All God is looking for us to do today is just be the best that we can for him. God doesn't expect you to be Abraham. God doesn't expect me to be Moses. God doesn't expect any of us to be David or Elijah, any, any of the prophets. God expects you to be you and me to be me. You know, that was, that was a problem for me when God called me to be a pastor. You've heard the story many times. I won't go back over Sunday school. When God called me to teach Sunday school many years ago, I spent months arguing with that. I just got tired of being woke up every night at 3.30 in the morning. God will get what he wants one way or another. You can make it easy on yourself. So a few years later when God called me to preach, that was a lot easier step over because by then I'd studied more and was in Bible college and learned some things. And I guess you say I felt a little more comfortable. But then God said, your next mission is going to be a pastor of a church. Wait a minute. Hold it. Hold it. Uh, that's not me. Listen, I, God, I, I'm not Charles Chapman. I, I, I wish I could be. I'm, I'm not him. I, I don't have what he has. I can't do what he does. I'm not like that. I can't preach like Pastor Bruce Freeman. I don't have that in me. And, and here's what God told me. I know in certain terms, if I wanted two Charles Chapmans, I would have made two Charles Chapmans. If I wanted two Bruce Freemans, I would have made two Bruce Freemans. I made you to be you. Hush your mouth. Go do what I told you to do. You be who you are. Just listen to me and do what I tell you to do, and I'll take care of all the rest. God wants you to be you. He made you to be you. You are that part of the body. You're that part of the little finger that nobody else can be, and the body's not complete without you. But God made every one of us to be what he made us to be. He just wants us to be who we are. He just wants us to be fully surrendered to him. If we claim to be a Christian, anybody still listening? If we claim to be a Christian, then we need to display a Christian, godly character in everything we do. If you claim to be a Christian, then you go eat at a restaurant. Your waiter, your waitress comes. You invite them to church. You ask them when they go to church. You, you hopefully, some point in there, they understand that you're a Christian. If you're going to let them know that you're a Christian and when you leave, you're going to leave them a track on the table, leave a good tip. Three people heard it. Leave a good tip. If they didn't take good care of you, well, yeah. I got my own issues with that. When they bring stuff and I say thank you and they say no problem, I, got, I, I know it wasn't a problem. It's your job. That's not what I said. I, I got my own issues. So I'm just telling you right here, the battle's within me just like it is within you, but it doesn't change the fact. If, if you're a Christian, you ought to take good care of them. You ought to know, if, if you're a Christian and you got a job, and that ought to be all of us, get to work on time, every time. 
Don't, don't, don't get that at the last minute. If you're supposed to be there at 8, don't be in the parking lot at 8. Be wherever your job is at 8. You need to be an exemplary employee. You need to be there. Early is on time. On time is late. Late is unacceptable. If you don't believe that, you never work for Yancey's because you got left at exactly on time. I don't know. Corey might cut you some slack there if you want to get a job over there. But I had to help him one day this week. If you go get that job, God bless you. I didn't think the Lord know what he was doing when he delivered me out of that. But right now I'm very thankful. I couldn't hardly move a couple of days later. It, when you get to work on time, work. I know this is going to amaze some people. And I'm sorry to let you down hurt your feelings. But your boss ain't paying you for your company. He's paying you for your performance. So when you get to work, be the best worker he's got. Don't, don't be slouching around on his time while he's writing you a check and inviting him to church because he ain't coming. What he wants you to do is get your lazy backside to work. You can go to church on Sunday. But if you want to make a difference in people, they got to see it in our faith. they got to see it in the way we live. they got to see it in the way we act. Business owners, if you're a Christian business owner, treat your employees different than the world does. Take good care of your people. Make a difference. That's how people see Christ in us. We're supposed to, if we're living by faith, we're supposed to be an example. We, we, we ought to be concerned with the well-being of others. You know, there, there's three things in a water fountain. One of them is the fountain flowing. One of them is the button that helps it flow. And the other one is the drain that consumes everything. Be one of the first two. Be a fountain that puts in the people, not the drain that sucks everything out of people. If we're going to be a Christian, we've got to be committed to living the Christian life if we're going to make a difference. Uncommitted Christians, they may have some internal convictions, but they don't show up in the external actions. Uncommitted Christians. You're still going to have convictions if you're a Christian. The Holy Spirit is going to keep working. They just don't show up in the external actions. They fill them inside, but, but they don't live them. And if we don't live them, then nobody else can see them. If we don't live what Christ is putting in, if we don't live faith in the book, then there's no way the world around us can see Christ in us. One day this week, Brother Larry Neff, in one of his devotions, he used Romans chapter 14, verse 17 and 18. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in, he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. If y'all don't mind, I'm going to take just a quick minute and I'm going to read this devotion to you. If y'all do mind, I'm going to read it to you twice. How might we be acceptable to God and approved of men? These verses teach us that our concentration should be on keeping our hearts pleasing to God. In our text, the kingdom of God is speaking of His reign in our hearts. It's not measured by outward ceremony or ritual, but rather by the inward work of the Spirit of God. By grace, we experience his imputed righteousness, his pardon, his forgiveness for our sins. We have found peace that surpasses all understanding and joy unspeakable. This is the fruit of Christ's kingdom as he rules and reigns in our hearts. Paul goes on to say, For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. The Christian life is not defined by adhering to a strict code of morals and ordinances. It's not just conforming to the system of rules for appearance or for conduct. The unconverted are able to imitate external standards. The most important difference that Christ makes is in the heart. Loving and trusting him by faith and embracing his word as our daily bread, exemplifying God's kingdom in our hearts, is rejoicing in his grace and provision, obeying him from the heart and enjoying the peace and comfort of his presence. God is interested in our outward testimony, but he's initially and primarily concerned about the condition of our hearts. A person can display outward standards and be far from God in his heart. However, if a person is surrendered to Christ's lordship in his heart, it'll definitely influence his conduct and behavior. Not only will God be pleased, but also those men who are spiritually discerning will approve of our lives. What that says is the spirit connects. When you meet Christians, there's a connection of the spirit when you meet them then. You don't have to wonder where they stand. If two Christians meet, there's a connection. Is there a connection? I knew when we met. There is a connection. There is a oneness when you meet with somebody. 
We met at the vet's office with their connection. There's a connection when you meet with somebody. You know that, that there is a genuine oneness. The Spirit connects. God is interested in our outward testimony, but initially primarily concerned about the condition of our hearts. He goes on the last paragraph, said, All of us would like to find acceptance with others. We also know that we will never please everyone. All the people were not pleased with Jesus or with his disciples. We can, however, enjoy fellowship and acceptance from those who love him and recognize his work and his ways. If we serve Christ in our hearts, seeking always to please him, we will be acceptable to God and approved of men. I think that was Thursday's devotion, Dr. Larry Neff. Is he a doctor? He ain't Dr. Larry Neff, is he? Brother Larry Neff, founder of the Lighthouse Children's Home, an amazing man of God, does a devotion every day, six days a week. If you don't get it, you need to. So what we have here in our text in this Hebrews Hall of Faith is that those who are fully committed, they're all in. They're, there's nothing left out. They're, they're into whatever the church does. They're into whatever they can be. I realize you can't be in everything this church does, and don't try to be. You'll kill yourself. Be in what you can be. Just don't make excuses to get out of the things that we can be in. Amen? There's plenty of ministries that we need to be involved in. What happens with these here in the book of Hebrews is they're all in. But in order to be all in, it takes a daily relationship with the Father. We can't wait until the trial comes and then decide we want to get on our knees. We can't wait until the crisis shows up and then decide we want to get close to God. If you want to walk through the fire and Christ walk with you, if you want to be rescued from the lion's den, if you want to go into it with grace and strength and mercy, we have to be prepared. We have to have the relationship before the crisis ever comes. Too many times we wait until we get in the crisis, then we want to say, oh, God. Fortunately, God ain't like me. I'll be like, where have you been while I was giving you all them blessings? Mm-hmm, don't come to me now. I've been hollering out to you all for two years, giving you all them blessings, now I see you in a little trouble and you want to talk to me. Ain't y'all glad God ain't like me? I'm awful. I swear I don't think God knew what he was doing, but he put me here. It just shows me he's got a sense of humor. We need to build our relationship with the Father through Christ on the sunny days. We need to be praising him on the mountaintops. You know when you come out of the valley and get on the mountain, man, the first few days when the sun peeks back out of the storm, man, we're all praise and worship. We're all thankful. But after a few days and it becomes the norm and you look back over the horizon and you can't see the storm anymore, it's amazing how praise goes away. A lot of the storms we wouldn't have to get back to if we just keep praising him. We need to learn to praise him always in all, in all the good times. We looked recently, a couple weeks ago. No, it's been more than a couple weeks ago. Because by now, I done planted a plant. Give you two weeks of pictures of the plant. plant done died, and we done moved on. I done told you, forget about the fruit. We ain't going to see the fruit. That one died. From now on, the, the instruction is, is how to follow the instructions. I planted them a month too early, thought they lived, and they died. So we learned to follow the instructions. But at any rate, in that message, we, we were talking about the fruit of the tree and how we are identified by the fruit. Nobody can identify us without the fruit. We can say one thing, but the, the fruit is a true uh, identifier. The, I was thinking about this this week. I should have thought about it. But, well, I shouldn't have thought about it. The Lord wanted me to do it this week. He'd give it to me back then if he wanted me to do it then. The fruit has nothing to do with the tree. thought about that this week the fruit is just the identifier of the tree but it does the tree no good it just produces the fruit it doesn't eat the fruit the fruit's only good for everything around it you know what else the fruit does it reproduces because the seed is in the fruit which means whatever fruit we're producing that's what's reproducing whatever we're putting out that's what we're causing in the people around us so, so we shall know a tree by the, the fruit. If the fruit is good, then the fruit is good for everybody around it. But if the fruit is bad, then the fruit does nothing to help anybody. I think part of the problem in today's world of casual Christianity, and that's kind of what we're in. That message is three or four years old. I'm not going to go back and preach it, but 
it was the title of a message, Casual Christianity. And I, I think in this day of casual Christianity, I, I think the problem is a root problem. Romans eleven sixteen, If the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. Revelation twenty two sixteen. 16, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you of these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. John chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus said, I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Everything begins with the root. See, if there is no root, there is no life. Is there an amen in the house? Where there is no root, there is no life. I'm afraid what's happening a lot today in this casual Christianity is people want to connect to the vine, but they ain't wanting to cut loose from the old root. They're wanting to connect to, to the source of living water. They just ain't wanting to cut loose from the things of the world. I mentioned this about two weeks ago in a message. They want God involved in their eternal life. They just don't want God involved in this life. That, that's where a lot of the problem is lying today. What we have here in our text is those who are all in, fully committed, full of faith. God is not going to share your heart with anyone. In the... In the Ten Commandments. Y'all know it starts out where God says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Exodus chapter 20, verse number 5. He says, Thou shalt not bow thyself down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and third and fourth generation of them that hate me, showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me, and, and's a big word, and keep my commandment. He's either all your God, or he's none your God. He will not share his throne with anyone. If we are the temple of God, then, then God holds the throne room. He cannot, will not share us with anyone. We're either in or out. Well, what we have here in our text is those that are all in. What this world needs today is a Hebrews hall of faith. By faith, by faith. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Everything that we need to do in our life needs to be by faith. We need to surrender to what God wants us to do. See, I still believe, I still believe we can change this hometown. I don't have no help in it, but I still believe it. I still believe that we can change our surroundings one soul at a time by just letting people see Christ in us. See, I still believe that. I believe that God can and still work through men the same way he did through all of these in the Hebrews Hall of Fame. God doesn't want us to be them or be like them in their life. He just wants us to be like them in our faith. I'm, I'm not supposed to be like one of them. You're not supposed to be like one of them. We're not supposed to be like each other. We're just supposed to have the fullness of faith all the same God pulls us together as one, and God makes us a mighty fortress. See, I do believe that God can use us to change this hometown, and that can trickle into our home state and trickle over into Alabama and trickle out into the southeast and trickle back across America and bring it back to one nation under God, the nation that is sent around the world to preach the gospel. I still believe in the power of the word. I still believe in the power of the blood. I still believe that God can use us. If God used that few men... Right after Jesus Christ walking barefooted on dirt roads to change the world for more than 2,000 years. I still believe that God can use this many people to change LaGrange, Georgia. I do believe that. But I do not believe that God can do anything through us until we're fully committed to serve Him with everything we got. I don't believe God can use part-time Christianity. 
I don't believe God's interested in using part-timers. God's looking for us to be all in. The chapter, Hebrews 11, it starts out with a challenge. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And it ends with an encouragement, verses 39 and 40. All these, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Close your head. Close your, close your head and bow your eyes for just a minute. I, I want to ask you a question, nobody looking around. How, how many of you, no, nobody's looking. It's just you. You don't, you don't have to raise your hand unless you're serious about the question. How many of you truly just want to serve God with everything in you? That looks pretty unanimous. How many of you truly, truly, want God to increase your faith. I might should have explained that before I ask. Um, those of you that have been here very long, you know this, but I'll go ahead and make it a reminder for everybody else. You get to hear it. The only way to increase your faith is to go through something bigger than you've been through. Whatever you've gone through in your past, whatever trial you faced, whatever situation God has brought you through, that brought your faith to where it is now. The only thing to get your faith bigger than where your faith is now is to go through something bigger than you've ever been through. Sometimes building faith is tough. But if we're all in, then we know that God's got a purpose and God's got a plan. It's for our good and it's for His glory. And God's just trying to do something in us. How many of you would truly like for God to use you, use us, Faith Baptist Church, use us to change this town with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Raise your hand. That's an army of hands. Looks like everybody in here. See, I believe God can do that. I believe God wants to do that. I believe God is just looking for some people that will say, here am I, Lord. Send me. I just want to be used by you. It don't have to be big. It don't have to be flashy. It don't have to be fancy. I don't care. You need me to clean out some sewer pipes? Show me where they're at. You, you, you need me to work in the dirt? Show me the dirtiest place. I don't, I don't care, God. I don't need to be seen of men. If you need me to be seen of men, then put me there. It doesn't matter, God. I just want to be what you want me to be. See, I, I believe that, that's what the, the, the heroes here in the Hall of Faith in chapter 11, that's, I believe that was their mentality. I just want to be used by you. What, whatever it is you want me to do, just show me. And they did it. And nearly everybody in this place raised your hand. That, that's how I want to be. I know we're, we're supposed to still be a little cautious, so... If you want to put your mask on or not, I don't know. I will tell you, the altar is always open at this church. There's, there's some already here. You're welcome to come to the altar and pray. If you go ahead and stand where you are, whoever wants to come here and pray, um, either put your mask, maybe distance a little bit. You can stay right where you're at. You can pray right where you're at. It's a position of the heart, not a position of the body. But I believe, I believe if we're earnest and sincere about wanting God to use us, I believe he will. I believe he'll use us through just little contacts, just meeting people along the way. You know, isn't it amazing how sometimes you meet somebody and you're just trying to be friendly and just trying to talk and trying to get them some help. And, and sometimes, it's, they'll, sometimes they'll start crying. And they'll start telling you about what they've been going through. And what's going on in their life and how they needed it. Do you think God didn't appoint that before you got there? God had that meeting, that situation already planned out. If you pray in the morning before you leave, God, 
Will you please put somebody in front of me today that needs to hear about you? Guide my steps. Don't, don't let me miss it. If I need to go to work a different way, I need to stop at a different gas station, shop at a different grocery store, go to another drug store to get my candy bar, whatever I need to do. Show me where you want me to go today. See, I believe that God has somebody already prepared there for you. And I believe that if we go and do that, that God's going to connect us with people that needed something that day. God makes a difference in their lives. I believe God can change this town. Anybody believe that? I still believe. <laughs> I still believe. I still believe in the old rugged cross. I still believe in the blood of Jesus that washes away sins. I still believe there's a home waiting for me in glory, and as, they, as he went, that he'll come again to receive us unto himself, that where he is, there we shall be also. But I believe that we are here for such a time as this. COVID-19 was no surprise. Churches being closed for a few weeks was no surprise. Things getting shut down was no surprise. The turmoil was no surprise. The mask was no surprise. The social distancing was no surprise. God has not been caught off guard by anything. So he's allowed us to get to where we are. And he's put his children, you and I, in a place like this for such a time as this that he might use us. I want to ask you real quick. You'll continue to keep your heads bowed just a minute. If there's anybody in this place that you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that's your first order of business. Listen, if you've never been saved, that's the most important thing you'll ever do. Without Christ, hell is your home. But Jesus said, whosoever, whosoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of Jesus and be saved. It's up to you. The Bible says it has to be a confession of your own mouth. You have to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. That's up to you. You can't be found until you realize you're lost. You can't be saved from your sins until you realize you're a sinner. We're all born sinners. We're all in our sins. So it's up to you to make that confession. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I know that you are the only one that can save my soul. I know that the blood of Jesus Christ is the only thing that can wash away my sin and I know that there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby I must be saved his name is Jesus Father I just want to be saved in the name of Jesus today I don't want to go to hell I want to be saved I want to live my life for you in Jesus name it's up to you to pray not a magic poem not a lip service you don't get to buy fire insurance in here today and then go back to living out there in the world it's the surrender of the heart. Lord, I just want to live for you. I want to be found faithful. Save my soul today in Jesus' name.